always at CES, you're going to see these products of the future and products that are like five, 10 years down the line. They might be concept products right now, but a lot of ready to go type innovations this year that I thought were neat, especially in the TV space. When I walk on the show floor, I always try to look at it through the lens of what a member, what, what's the value to a member. Every company there, the flagship products that you saw in the headlines about, you know, these, this is their new to market, the best to market. All of those are going to hit independent retail first. And all of those have a story that has to be told through independent retail, not through commercial, you know, it's, it's for our membership. Welcome to the Independent Thinking Podcast. This is your host, Rob Stott. You could probably go back and look at the uh, first consumer electronics podcasts of the last several years that we've done this podcast now, and you could probably hear the same thing on repeat. But this one, this first one of the new year, first podcast talking about consumer electronics is always going to be uh, one of my favorite because it's it means we're talking about the consumer electronics show out in Las Vegas and uh, this year in particular, 2022 is the first time since 2020, since the the pandemic, that you know we've been able to have an in person CES. Um, even if it was a, a scaled back version of of that show, you know, I, reports saying it was like 20 something, like 20 to 30 percent of typical capacity uh, from an attendee perspective. Uh, everything I've heard from you know the team here at Nationwide to others in the industry that that were at the show, um, you know. Did, that didn't af- affect it at all. If anything, it made it more meaningful for the people that were there and able to meet with vendor partners and able to get up close with these technologies that usually you're, it, it's like trying to get to the front of the Mona Lisa, uh, you know, at the Louvre, uh, elbowing and, and, you know, making big crowds in front of these booths to try to see this technology. But that was not the case uh, at this year's show. And um, I myself having to watch from afar had a little bit of FOMO, uh, you know, with our team being out there and, um, just seeing some of the reports that were coming out and, and being published online, but still able to follow along with the show. And of course, wanted to check in with uh, some of our guys that were there. And that includes Mr. Lee McDonald, our, our VP of CE here at Nationwide Marketing Group. And, you know, always great talking to Lee about consumer electronics. And uh, again, especially when it revolves around CES and the things he's seeing there. And, you know, honestly, a lot of awesome stuff, um, as expected at, at the show. I mean, it's technology. It's the the forefront of what's to come in this space. But, uh, you know, this year in particular, it felt like there was a lot of things happening that were relevant today for retailers and consumers. And that's, I think, what made it even more exciting was the fact that these are things that we were talking about, uh, you know, in this episode, in this interview that um, you'll see by the end of the year that will be in stores that consumers will be looking for. And uh, frankly, that can um, really shake up and, and impact the landscape of consumer electronics and, uh, you know, the many tentacles that that involves from TV to audio to smart home and uh, the list goes on. So, you know, a lot of great stuff to talk about. And um, I don't want to waste it, you know, diving, uh, in, you know, too deep into this uh, this little pre-clip of the episode. So let's just go ahead and get to it. This is Lee McDonald here on the Independent Thinking Podcast talking about the Consumer Electronics Show. All right, we are back on the Independent Thinking Podcast. And I, we had a long break between our, our previous two episodes, and I think you warned me back when we recorded that episode that it better not happen again. So here we are three episodes later, and we got Lee McDonald back on the Independent Thinking Podcast. Mr. McDonald, appreciate you taking the time 
and joining us today. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me and glad to be back on, uh, on such short notice. So appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, we are on the other side of a calendar year, but Hey, it's only been, I, I think it, it, it exactly three episodes since we last talked, but a lot has, uh, you know, can still transpire over uh, one month to the next. So how, first of all, how are you and how are things in consumer electronics? Uh, I'm great. Uh, thanks for asking. I don't, I don't, it's a question I don't normally get, so I appreciate it. Um, it's a busy time of year for us at Primetime or at Nationwide. You know, we're um, getting ready for our primetime show, which is a lot of a lot of work on behalf of our members and on behalf of our vendors. Um, we just had the Consumer Electronics Show, the first person, uh, first time in person for a while in in Las Vegas. Um, you know, a lot of our teams are going to Furniture Market in Las Vegas this week or next week, and then there's the Kitchen and Bath Show the week after that. So, you know, for us here at Nationwide, it's a, a very, very, very busy time of year, um, but. That's uh, it's part of the fun, you know. There's a little bit of a show and a dance that happens, and we we're we're all here because we love it. So, yeah, absolutely. And I I mean, we'll dive into CES. I know that's uh, a lot of things come out of that show, whether it's in person or virtual uh, each year. But obviously, nice to get back. But we'll we'll dive into that in a bit. But you know, let, let's talk about CE and the the CE channel. Um, you know, I I think the last time we talked, we were looking at some things were happening. That you know, obviously chip shortages still you know, hamper in this industry and um, uh, all of the, between the high demand and low supply and things like that. But I think since the last time we talked, Samsung officially committed to the outside of the Austin area, you know, building a chip factory there. Are things, I know it's only been a, a month, are, are things getting better from a, a chip perspective or, you know, what are you seeing? What did you hear, you know, from manufacturers out of CES? Yeah, it's a great question. I would tell you that it's not better yet but I feel better about what the future holds. So whether it's the plant in Austin that you mentioned that Samsung's building, um, Intel's making a, a sizable investment, maybe the largest investment in, in the state's history in Ohio. Um, you know, there's a lot of domestic production going on. I, and I think that was one of the major um, learnings for some of these major corporations across the globe. They have to differentiate and, and start multi-sourcing, you know, where they manufacture chips. You know, the parallel to that is I think our members uh, unfortunately found out they have to start multi-sourcing where they buy product from. It's a, it was a good learning for our manufacturer partners. It was also a good learning for our members, but nothing's going to change in the immediate future. And when I say immediate, I mean, probably three to six months, there's still going to be chip shortages. Container prices are still going to be astronomical, um, at least versus, you know, historical averages. And then, you know, going to the back, in the, the back half of the year, I think what all of this means is that the recovery will come quicker and the recovery will also um, be accelerated, meaning we're going to start seeing relief for some of the chipset prices and, and availability. Um, we're going to start seeing relief for some of the container shortages because now it's domestic versus global shipping. Uh, and then it's just, you know, the relief is going to come at a much higher pace. How about, you know, for, for our members in particular, obviously you mentioned the the multi-source of finding, finding new ways of, of getting product and things like that. But, you know, what, what are you seeing with our, our partners and how they're, you know, working with our, our members to get them product? Are there still challenges, struggles, you know, what, what's kind of happening in, in the space? You know, it really varies by category. So you think of consumer electronics, we talk about it a lot. It's, it's a really big category, right? Yep. I mean, I think we take it for granted, but you know, it's audio and audio is its whole own ecosystem, sound bars, receivers, separates, and even within them, there's, you know, low, middle, high end. 
there are certain areas of consumer electronics, audio specifically, that are still highly constrained and challenged. Um, there, and then you flip the coin and you look at like TVs and other things, there's a lot better supply. It's not perfect, but it's a lot better. I would tell you that one of my favorite parts of the job is working with our distribution partners because I'm so incredibly proud of how they've stepped up over the last two years to serve our members. If you look historically um, around our shows, which are you know fundamentally buying shows, they're always, you know, we have to put the buy and buying group, but there's also a lot of other things that happen there. But for the buy side, you know, we've gone to the last two or three prime times with tens of millions of dollars in inventory exclusively for our members. And that's, you know, that's one of the, the group's great values is, you know, unlike some of our other peers in the space, you know, we don't require you to buy from one partner or one warehouse in order to get access to our programs. So um, we, you know, that's part of our mantra. We help members thrive on their terms. You know, we work for them. They don't work for us. Um, and that, you know, that kind of percolates into the entire ecosystem, our distribution partners being one of that. So we work with an incredible, incredible array of distributors in the U.S., um, the probably seven out of the top eight distribution partners. Um, and wherever a member buys from, they can feel safe and confident they're going to get all the group shows, uh, show specials, programming, all of our offers are eligible there. Um, and that's been a massive relief, I think, to, to the membership where, you know, one distributor may go out of stock, but there's usually someone within that same ecosystem that has the same product, they get the same offer on, they can get the same price. Uh, and that's been, um, you know, I like to think of one of the saving graces in all of this madness that we've seen over the last two years. So it's, it's one of my favorite things to do is to watch our distribution partners delight our membership. I, you mentioned the... Uh just the, the wide breadth of this category um, and how it is so many different tentacles to the, the world of CE has, I don't know if it necessarily correlates, you know, with the, the challenges of some particular segments as opposed to others, but over the, this time, this period, has any particular category surprised you in sort of how it's performed? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of just really fun things and little data factoids that have come out of COVID. So the one that was most, not most surprising, but maybe should have been a little bit more obvious was just the, how quickly the computer business grew. So computer business in the US, I call it pre-pandemic, was really declining, you know, outside yeah. of a few specialty retailers like Micro Center, fabulous retailer that I actually used to, um, was fortunate enough to work for for a while and taught me a lot about the industry. Um, they were really the only retailer in the US that was growing consistently. But when COVID hit and everybody worked from home, I mean, it's like you couldn't find webcams in stock, you couldn't find monitors, monitors are still back ordered, um, computers went crazy. I mean, it was a little bananas how quickly that industry grew. Um, the other part that was, the other category that was interesting was um, personal mobility. Uh, and personal mobility is just a fancy way of saying, you know, like e-bikes and scooters, yep. different things like that. If it's gotten to be so big that, you know, they've, they've get in a fancy title now. And that's how you know <laughs> you, right. you have a fancy title. So personal mobility and e-bikes and, and other things, you know, it used to be a few years ago, there was really only a few. And now what you've seen is this massive demand by consumers. And I don't think it's really slowing. I don't think it will slow for the next few years. 
Um, but so much so that like Bird and Lime, the scooters that a lot of us as consumers were probably annoyed with because they're all over your city downtown and knocked over and, you know, kids are, you know, going 40 miles an hour down the street, no helmet and, you know, weaving in and out of traffic. Those companies now have gotten into selling those same type of products to the consumer market. Um, you know, even my kids want an e-bike now and like fundamentally it's just, I'm never <laughs> going to buy my kids an e-bike, <laughs> even though I own an e-bike. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that, that was an interesting category that came up. And then, you know, just all of the uh, fitness was another one too. So fitness uh, was really, you know, people can go to gyms, they want to stay healthy and stay, stay active. But there was a lot of technology in some of those, um, some of those brands, you know, think of like Lifetime or Lifestyle Fitness, uh, Ergato, mm-hmm. uh, Peloton and all the Peloton yep. imitators and all of like the rowing machines. Those companies have also massively profited and benefited from the category. So it's, it's just interesting to watch the ebb and flow of, of consumer trends and demand go from what can I go out of my house to do versus what do I now need to do within, you know, 30 feet from my, my door. <laughs> no, it makes a lot of sense. And, um, it, kind of a nice segue because all those technologies sort of where you get to see them all in action is at CES and in Las Vegas. And yeah. obviously didn't get to do that in 21 uh, as the show went virtual, but um, you know, 22, they, they, despite some of the challenges leading up to that first week in January, man, they, they still had it happen. And, uh, I mean, you could even call back to we, what we saw happen to Cedia kind of felt that same, I don't know about you, but felt the same sort of vibe as we were running into CES, but, um, they had it and you guys went and it was still a, a show and, um, you know, you saw a lot of those, you know, innovative technologies on display, but, but start with being there. What was it like to be back in Vegas on the show floor and walking around? CES, no matter the shape that it was in. It was, it was actually really fun. I, I enjoyed it. I, like everyone, am nervous about traveling during a global pandemic. Um, but there was a great post that Gary Shapiro, who is the president of the Consumer Technology Association, which is the parent organization of CES, he wrote. And, um, you know, it, it struck a nerve with me. And you know, maybe we can include it in the, the comments here with so people can read it. But he makes a, a really valid point about there are a lot of small brands and manufacturers who spend spend so much money to go and put their product in their in their brand in front of um, uh, you know buyers and in, in, in the industry in general. This may be the only shot they get. You know they may have spent thirty thousand dollars to put a booth together and get there, and then if they don't have a great show, that could be the end of them. Um, and it reminded me a lot of our membership that. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of big companies that exhibit at uh, CES, Samsung, LG, and some others. But there are whole, you know, whole exhibit spaces and halls full of these startup, you know, scrappy companies. They're, you know, in the Sands Convention Center, there's a the lower level, there's a place called Eureka Hall or Eureka Alley or Park or whatever. I can yep. park. Thank you. And it's just, you know, people with a dream and a product. And there's, there's some awesome stuff down there. So... You know, I wanted one to go and represent the membership, um, but I also wanted to go and support the industry because Gary's right. Um, there are a lot of people that depend on that that show. Could we, you know, could it be done virtually? Yeah, I think we can get there with the right investments in the right time. And I look forward to seeing CTA's leadership in that. But um, you know, I really enjoyed it. Certainly, traffic was nowhere where it normally is. I, I would say it's probably twenty to thirty percent of what the traffic usually like my experiences over the last decade, I actually enjoyed that. 
Um, normally, if you come out of the Central Hall, if you've ever been there, um, there is this, you know, monster line to get a taxi. It's sometimes two, three hours long. I walked out of Central Hall. I walked right to the front of the taxi line and I got in no wait. I was that. Um, yeah, that sounds like a vacation to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, wouldn't, I wouldn't quite go that far. But, uh, but yeah, I was. I got from my hotel into the conference center in eight minutes. I mean, I didn't wait for a taxi. My longest wait for the entire week was to verify um, my vaccine status and get my badge. That was about forty-five minutes. So um, incredible, incredible jobs to the CTA, their entire organization. Yeah, it was strange to see some empty spaces with booths, but. Um, well, you mentioned the uh, the Eureka Park area, and that's that. Honestly, that you, you talk about the companies that bank it all. That was the first area that came to mind, and uh, exactly where you said the bottom of the Sands Convention Center. Um, you know, there I think there are typically like over a thousand companies that are in that space. That you know that it's a pipe dream for them. They're there showing off a product that you know it maybe still be like patent pending, or or you know it's this grand idea that they've had that they just want to get in front of press and, and trade partners and industry, you know, uh, people. And, um, it, it's, it's their one shot. So that, that is exactly the spot that came to mind. So to be able to, and you could do it, like, like you said, you could try to do it virtually, but to be there and, and see these products and get hands on with them, nothing beats that. So I can only, I, I can't imagine, you know, those companies trying to do that virtually like they had to do last year and just the excitement, I'm sure, you know, it was in that space had to be pretty cool. Yeah. And to your point about excitement, that's one thing that was consistent. It was nobody, nobody I talked to from a vendor or, you know, other buyers in the industry or people I've known, nobody was like, oh man, I can't believe we actually did this. Everybody was incredibly excited. The, the, the energy was very, very high. Um, I think there was probably a disappointment that we couldn't do it bigger and better. Um, but we, you know, Again, kudos to the CTA for being as safe as possibly can and putting on the best show they could. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, even you know, despite the traffic and, and all that, the the CES is always going to be packed with innovation and news. And we saw it if you were anywhere near a computer over you know the those first couple of days in January, you saw undoubtedly lots of news about CES and things that were being announced and uh, big companies, small companies um, putting on you know their their best efforts to get news out there about these new products that they're unveiling. And um, one of the things that I don't know about you, I'll ask, I'll turn this question on you too. But one of the things that struck me about this show in particular, even though I watched it from afar, uh, was that it, always at CES, you're going to see these products of the future and products that are like five, 10 years down the line. They might be concept products right now. Um, but a lot of ready to go type innovations this year um, that I thought were neat, especially in the TV space. I you know, yeah. saw a lot of um, TVs talked about, you know, uh, OLEDs coming from Samsung and, and, you know, things happening there. So what what was your sort of take on on those products that you saw that, you know, retailers, it could realistically see them by mid year, end of year in their stores? No, it's a great question. I appreciate it. Um, when I when I walk on the show floor, I always try to look at it through the lens of what a member what, what's the value to a member? And how is this going to impact their lives? How is it going to impact their stores? Um, it's not the easiest thing to do because part of me is like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> part of the reason I'm in this job is yep. I, love, I love it. And, you know, seeing self-propelled drones and other things is, is fun. But when you look at it through the eyes of a, a member, and if you've listened to any of our talks before, it may sound repetitive or like I'm a, bro you know, I'm a broken record. But um, 
the more advanced technology that our manufacturer partners release, OLED's a great example. Um, nobody's going to Walmart to buy OLED. It just doesn't happen. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that. And I, you know, I don't want to disparage Walmart, but it takes a certain level of sophistication to sell that product, to demonstrate that product. Uh, and that product is primarily sold through regional independent retailers, you know, the Main Street USA dealers that our membership represents the largest portion of. Uh, so I, I always get really excited, really energized, whether that's Samsung releasing an absolutely stunning OLED panel or TCL rolling out micro LED that is, you know, basically the thickness of your credit card or, you know, new products from LG or Hisense short throw laser TV that one, you know, basically it's the best thing since sliced bread or, you know, Samsung's lifestyle projector, all of the products, all of every Every company, and this is really important, every company there, the flagship products that you saw in the headlines um, about, you know, these, this is their new to market, the best to market, all of those are going to hit independent retail first. And all of those have a story that has to be told um, through independent retail, not through mass, not through commercial, you know, it's, it's for our membership. And so that's, that's why part of the reason I love CES, because all of that stuff is going to massively impact our members and, and help their business. I truly believe we are in more of a technology renaissance now. I, I, I attribute it or I would correlate it to when 1080p came out, like 720 came out and it was a really big deal. And the difference between, you know, DVD at 480i and 720p was a big difference. And 1080p came out, people were like, okay, this can't get any better. 4K came out and it was still pretty cool and the technology was good. But there is just, there's a technological revolution going on, whether that's a, you know, an OLED panel, a self-emitting panel, micro LED or mini LED is another massive technology. And, you know, Samsung's not walking away from that, you know, nor did LG, nor did Sony. Um, but there's all of these really great technologies coming out on high-end TV, which our members sell, you know, predominantly um, in, in their stores. If you look at, uh, if you come to primetime, you know, and you, you tend to see Emerge Session, I share a lot of data um, about the group's performance versus the industry. So the industry ASP, an average selling price for a TV in 2021 ended up at $427. Nationwide members were over 1100 so almost three times the industry average, and that's our members' power. Um, so when I see these new technologies, you know, ultra-thin screens, ultra-large projectors, um, it just gets me excited because I know it's going to put money in the pockets of our members. Absolutely, and I just it always feels like every year, like how can TVs get better? And um, to your point, that you felt like a, a little bit of a lull over the last couple of years, just in terms of. All right, you know, we, we keep talking about it's getting better, but 4K just it was incredible to your point. But um, now it all of a sudden feels like things are they, they've taken a couple of leaps and bounds forward. Um, you know, I don't know if it's because of the uh, the attention to supply over the last, you know, they, they had to find ways to innovate and, you know, improve the product. But it's it's just at a whole nother level right now. Yeah, I mean, you think about the, the one of the main benefits to selling consumer electronics um, aside from the margin, which I will argue with, you know, any of my peers that there's more margin in consumer electronics than there is in any other category. Um, and I have the math to prove it, but one of the other major draws is in the traffic, you know, the average frequency of shop for someone who is in the consumer electronics industry, you're going to draw a customer, 
you know, every two to four years, two to five years, you know, furniture and bedding, eh, maybe eight to 10 years, you're going to see that customer once in a decade, you know, appliances seven to 10 years. Um, and the reason for that is the majority of electronics, despite, you know, what you may read in, in the, uh, in the paper and the trades, the majority of that high-end television business is still done on a one-to-one transaction in a physical storefront. It's because people want to see the technology. So when all of these, to your point, 4K is a little, it's a little old, you know, it's a little, um, nobody, let me put it this way. Nobody is going to go out of their way to walk into your store to see a 4K TV, but they probably will come into your store to see a Samsung OLED. They probably will come into your store to see a TV that's as, you know, if they get two credit cards or a projector that, you know, can go anywhere. It's a speaker, you can hang it from your ceiling. Those are types of things that will drive traffic for our members. And it's, um, you know, and, and people want to own that technology. There is a FOMO, you know, about not having the latest and greatest in electronics. It is the only category that we, we serve our membership with that is not a necessity. It's pretty hard to own a house in America without something that keeps or cooks your food. Um, it's pretty hard to own a house in America that you don't have a bed or you don't have a couch. Um, nobody needs a TV. They want a TV. Uh, and so we and our manufacturer partners have a, a, a responsibility to help drive that excitement and attention. Our manufacturers, I'll tell you, they knocked it out of the park this year. There's some really, really cool stuff coming. Yeah. Exciting to see. Um, and I know obviously we'll get a chance to do so uh, with, quite a few of those products, you know, as we get together in Phoenix here in just a few short weeks, but um, any, you know, there's obviously other categories too. smart home. There was a ton of movement. It felt like a category that, you know, it felt like the it's been on the runway for so long. And now for, for some reason this year, it just, it feel, feels like it's ready to take off. I you say that every year, I feel like, but this year you get all of the, uh, the, the new, you know, protocols coming together where companies are starting to actually have these products talk to each other and, um, you know, just not have such uh, kind of siloing of, of smart home technologies and, and things like that, making it easier for the consumer. Um, you know, so many other categories to, to potentially talk about. Is there any, any, I, this is always the toughest question. I feel like, even though you see so much there's, is there one product that stood out, you know, that to you at CES that, um, kind of made you most excited, whether that's just you personally or for its potential for our members? Um, I'll give you two answers. So personally, I had a, a few favorites. Um, I think the one that is kind of my aspirational one was the, uh, the personal drone where yeah. you know, it's big enough for you to sit in and fly around. <laughs> I, actually got, I got to sit in the thing and, uh, That's awesome. my first thought was, oh man, I, I am never going to be brave enough to own this thing and drive it. <laughs> Maybe like five feet off the ground. Yeah. Um, but that was, that was really, really cool to see that, and, you know, that, it wasn't a prototype. It was a production model and they're ready. Yeah. To, you know, they're, they're working out the regulatory, um, the training, the flight, you know, what, what does it look like for a consumer to buy that? Um, certainly won't be in the U S anytime soon, but nope. <laughs> that was pretty incredible. You know, something that's a little bit more realistic and down to earth is, um, you know, Samsung had this 55 inch monitor, I think it was called the arc. Um, if you know anything about me, you know, that I have, uh, an obsession with ultra large and wide monitors, and this trying thing, to get you to share in that obsession, but it's just, it's been hard to date. Yeah, so sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing my best, but that monitor was, uh, was something else. I would encourage anybody who's listening to check it out. I mean, it's a 55 inch, essentially a 55 inch monitor. You can flip to landscape mode. Um, and, but what I really liked about it is the controls to resize the screen on the fly were just incredibly intuitive. Anybody can make an ultra large monitor running the software, um, 
behind the programming is, is much more difficult. And the prototype that I saw from Samsung um, was almost flawless. So that was, that was really exciting. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I will be the first in line to pre-order that, I can assure you. <laughs> um, you know, for our membership, I think it wasn't so much a product. It was just how competitive the TV landscape is, is becoming or will be in 2020, 22 this year. Um, like you said, Samsung is the last of the large, you know, tier one or, you know, call it um, major companies to launch OLED. That's going to make everything more competition. I am a firm believer that competition builds, you know, a healthy market and it's going to make our members, it's going to give them a lot of arrows in their quiver to drive better margin and, and equip them to negotiate better with their current suppliers. Um, and then even, you know, the, the brands outside of Samsung, they're quickly, quickly, quickly closing the gap with those, with the new technology, whether it's micro or mini LED, um, ultra thin TVs where, you know, a few years ago, there may be some brands that you would buy for a bonus room, but you wouldn't put in your living room. I think those days are, are coming to an end. Rob. I think yeah. that, or at least people will be much more likely to take a TV that, you know, 10 years ago, they wouldn't have, you know, they would put in their basement or their garage. I think they'd be willing to put it in their living room now. I mean, they're just gorgeous TVs. Yeah, it's it's cool to see. I mean, it, again, it's a space that you felt like it, it, manufacturers understood the need to get away from this black box on a wall and seen it with the frame and kind of new iterations of the frame and others try, you know, even stick on Samsung. They got the serif and, and just trying to find ways to make these more showpieces and um, just make it part of a, a functional, beautifully designed home. Um, so the the... The second you start to think there's lack of room for innovation in the TV space, you're probably behind because they are these companies are doing these manufacturers are doing a lot of work to make sure that the space remains relevant and continuously evolves in in so many ways. So it's really cool to see, and no better place to do it than at uh, in Las Vegas at CES. Yeah, and like you said, I, I think a lot of our our members are going to be pleasantly surprised. Um, we've been working closely with our manufacturer partners to make sure that a lot of that product will make it way, its way onto the show floor. So it's tough to travel. I get that. But uh, if you can, please come and see us in Vegas or in uh, Phoenix, excuse me. Um, you're right. I mean, it is, it's, it's really, really exciting to see what they're doing. And we could spend an entire podcast talking about the new technology. Come out. We <laughs> talked for the last probably 10 minutes on just TV technology. Yeah. I saw incredible things in audio. I saw, you know, we could do an entire podcast with Hank on the innovations in smart home and energy management. I mean, yep. half of Eureka Park was smart energy management for your house, whether it's water heaters and, and everything else. We didn't talk about, you know, color or mowing. We didn't talk about um, uh, Temper Sealy or Serta Simmons and what they're doing in smart home. I mean, there is just so much cool stuff um, that our members can, can leverage in their stores to drive more traffic, to drive more margin, um, to drive uh, just a better overall customer experience. And, you know, again, just to not beat a dead horse, but that story and that experience is not going to happen in a warehouse. It's not going to happen, you know, from someone in a blue shirt that makes nine fifty an hour, it's not going to happen online. That is going to happen um, in an independent or regional retailer, and I couldn't be more excited for our members this year. I see what you're doing there with the other podcasts. Like we can, you know, do one on audio, do one on smart home. I mean, I, I, we're, we're, you're you're leveraging 
for some follow-ups here, I, I imagine. So I got to plant the seed early, right? <laughs> Otherwise you won't talk to me for a year. <laughs> no, I, I think those are some incredible ideas too, because that, to your point, there is so much to talk about in this space. And and by the way, you mentioned those companies, they relate to the other categories that you know we'll, we'll eventually be seeing. I've been trying to talk with Jeff Rose about when we're going to be getting floating beds before we we know it. Maybe we'll see one at CES. So uh, the electronics category love, loves to exp- expand its tentacles into other verticals as well. So uh, yeah. I love it. And it's very exciting to, to always talk about. So uh, we certainly will. We'll follow up. We'll, we'll see what's going on in these other spaces of consumer electronics. But for now, I appreciate you taking the time and, and sharing a little bit of uh, you know what you saw out there in Vegas and I look forward to connecting here soon in in Phoenix. Yeah, don't be a, don't be a stranger. I, I hope I talked to you before the uh, the end of the year. Had a great time. Thank you. Bob. <laughs> we will. You got it. Awesome, and a big thanks again to Lee. Uh, you know, for coming on just a few short weeks after his last appearance and. Uh, you know, we, we certainly, as he mentioned there, have a lot to talk about and other areas to explore, uh, you know, with the CE space that we saw at CES. So I'm sure it'll not be long before we see him or, or one of the other you know members of our consumer electronics team here at Nationwide Marketing Group pop on this podcast to talk. So um, now awesome to catch up and hear the things that are happening in TV and, uh, you know, again, some of the other consumer electronics spaces. But um, you know, appreciate him taking the time and diving into it with us. So, and as always, you know, we of course appreciate you listening to the independent thinking podcast and we will catch you next time.